You're listening to The Inside Scoop with Novell. Welcome to The Inside Scoop. I'm Dr. Rita Simmons, business developer and Novell founder and senior consultant. Well, this is the second episode in our latest podcast series, Roadmap to Starting Your Small Business. In episode one, we focused on the steps that you were going to need to take to ensure your business was set up properly. So let me say one thing before we go any further. If you're thinking of starting a business and you didn't listen to episode one, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that episode first. Now, there are two parts to that episode, but they're both really important. And I think um, you need to do your homework and then come back to this episode first. There are some prerequisites that we walk through in that episode that you really need to complete before you can register with the government and, and go further on this journey. Okay, so now let's assume that you've completed all 12 steps from episode one, and now you're ready to register your company with the government. So today, I have good news. <laughs> we only have three steps that you need to complete, but these are absolutely required if you want to work with the government. So the first step, you must translate the products and or services that you plan to offer to the government into a standardized code called a NAICS code. That's all capitals N-A-I-C-S. This acronym stands for North American Industry Classification System. It was developed in 1997 for use by the federal statistics agencies so that they could collect uh, analyze and publish data related to the economy. Now, today, it's a six-digit code used by the federal government as a way to categorize business activities so that similar types of products and services are then put into this large category and businesses uh, can be put into the same terms of the, of the services that they supply or are wanting to supply back to the government. So let's look at the six-digit code and break it down, and that might make it more understandable. The first two digits represents a general area of business activity. So for example, a NAICS code that starts with 23, that's 23, represents construction. And another example are codes that start with 48 or 49. Those represent transportation and warehousing. Now, the last four digits of the six allows for further distinction within that industry. So if you have a construction company, the NAICS code you'll choose obviously starts with 2-3. And then let's say you specifically build utility systems. Then the last four would be 2-3-7-1. Yes, I'm going to tell you in just a minute how to find these codes. I just want to be sure that you understand exactly what they represent. Now, if you are a construction company that provides multiple services, you can have more than one NAICS code. Now, you will need to pick three that you consider to be primary, but then you can have as many as you can legitimately show that you have experience with them. So let's use Novell as an example. We're a consulting company that provides professional, scientific, and technical services. So our first two digits are five, four. Then we look at the list of available NAICS codes under 5.4, four, 
and choose those disciplines that most closely align with what we do. Uh, for us, we have eight different codes registered for our company within the government system. So that it covers all the different types of services that we provide. So how do you get an NAICS code? Well, believe it or not, these are self-assigned codes that you think best represent your primary business activities. The Census Bureau manages NAICS codes and their website has all kinds of information, probably more than you would ever want to know uh, about NAICS codes. They have downloadable manuals with all the painstaking details about what these codes are and everything that goes under each code. Uh, they have a search tool so you can find codes. So if you want to uh, search by your industry, you can do that, but it'll show you the codes. Uh, they also have all the recent updates on their website. Sometimes codes may merge, a code may change, and so it's a good place to be able to keep up to date on those things. There are also online tools that will allow you to search uh, for a NAICS code uh, on non-government websites, for example. So you can go and pull up the, the uh, consolidated list of NAICS codes, and you'll be able to see right there uh, their table uh, format, and the first column will give you the first two digits, and then the next column will give you the next four digits with a description of what those um, activities are. So I know I said earlier that these codes were developed for statistical purposes, but many government agencies have adapted this classification system for their own internal use. So some agencies take, for example, the DOD, HHS, and others. They post contract bids where a next code is listed as the qualification criteria for proposal submission. And so only businesses that have registered with this code as one of their business areas of expertise would be allowed to bid. So you can see the importance of selecting the correct codes and all the codes that your company would qualify for. So while I did say the codes are self-assigned, that is for the most part true. There are a couple of instances where your code can't fully be self-assigned. And that would be if you were trying to do work with OSHA or the EPA. They use other environmental types of factors to assign codes. And so if you have a thought or desire to work uh, in the environmental field, you would want to go check their websites and make sure that uh, you understand what they require. So it's very important to select all the codes that your company is qualified for. I would write them down if you're keeping a business development book or a folder of some kind, which I highly encourage you to do then make sure you're keeping all this information in one place. And then uh, when we discuss getting registered in the government system, there will be a section for you to write these NAICS codes into so that your business activities are registered. Uh, they're going to request your primary NAICS and then allow you to put others on the list. All right, so that's step one. Let's move on to step number two. Yes, it's another acronym. You're going to need to obtain a CAGE code for your company. So I'm going to translate another government acronym for you. So if you haven't realized by now, um, I'm going to fill you in. The government loves acronyms. So CAGE stands for Commercial and Government Entity Program. 
and an entity. In this case, we'd refer to your business um, as an entity. So a cage code is a five-character alphanumeric identifier assigned to entities located within the U.S. You have a company that's outside the U.S., here's a different code for you. So I'm not going to go into detail on why you need this code. I'm simply going to say that the government requires your company to have a cage code to uh, support some of their procurement and acquisition processes. Uh, the uh, agency that's responsible for these codes, DLA, the Defense Logistics Agency, they uh, assign these codes. And the good news is they're free and very easy to get. You simply go to their website. Once you're on the website, you'll see request a cage code button right in the middle of the screen. You click on that, you get a form to fill out, and then you can submit. I said easy, it'll come back, email you a cage code for your company, and then you're ready to go. So the third and final step we're going to talk about today is registering your company on the government's website. And that government website is same.gov, G-O-V. So we're finally here, but I want to ask you to do a little bit more prep before we actually dive in and get started with this. So before you start, I, I highly recommend getting all your company information in front of you. All the stuff that we went through previously, the Dunn's number from Dunn and Bradstreet, the SAM.gov website is not going to let you go any further. And they're going to remind you that you need to have one, so don't start until you have it. Uh, have your CAGE code, all your state uh, information where you registered, but they're going to come back and ask you some of that, your EIN, bank information, everything. Everything we've been walking through, you're going to need to be able to, to get registered. So once you have all that in front of you, then you're going to go to the SAM.gov website and create a login account. So SAM.gov uses, <laughs> they don't use their site to create the login. You need to go to login.gov, L-O-G-I-N.gov. That is their sign-in page, and you will get an account assigned to you. So once you've created that account, it should redirect you back to SAM.gov. If it doesn't, go back from there, and then you can start the actual uh, registration process. Now, I will warn you, this is somewhat of a long and involved process. The first time that you go to register, uh, you will have to update your registry every year. It's a very simple process, but initially, uh, it, it's somewhat involved. So the first thing I want to point out is that they refer to your business, as I said earlier, as an entity. So once you're in the site, you're going to select the tab that says register your entity. And now you can start the process of filling out multiple sections on multiple screen pages of the application process. Now the, the website was recently revamped, and I think it does a really good job of walking you through the steps provides drop-down menus explaining what they're looking for in each section. And they've also added a video on the SAM.gov homepage that will walk you through um, entity registration. And you may 
want to watch that video if you're really unfamiliar with some of the government uh, requirements then you may want to walk through those steps in the video and get a really good overview of what's going to be required um, the, another nice thing is if you need to stop and start like i said it is somewhat of a long process the website will uh, save your information and then you can simply go back and pick up where you left off so that is that is a great thing um, I, I can't really walk you through every section of this there are numerous sections again a lot of it is straightforward if you've done all the other steps that we've talked about you have the information so you should be able to get through it if you have any questions issues or problems you know you can reach out to us we'll be happy uh, to help you uh, figure out what you may need uh, once you get through the registration process then your company will be eligible for government contracts and other types of government work that's the good news uh, there are a couple of other sam.gov features i would like to point out before we wrap up you can set up uh, a contract opportunity search where you can put information in regarding maybe it's the organization you might want to work with uh, for example, if you want to work with the DOD or even drill down further, you want to work with the Department of the Navy or Marine Corps, uh, you can be that specific. You may uh, want to decide it's a specific type of contract that you would like to uh, seek. It will give you a list of um, different types of contracts. You can do it by makes code or other type of listing. And the calls for proposals or bids uh, will be sent directly to your email box at whatever frequency that you would like to receive them. It could be daily, weekly, monthly. You can set up the time frames. That's a really nice thing if you want to look and see what kind of contracts are coming out, especially again if you're new to this, it'll give you a good idea what those opportunities might look like. You can also search for other companies with the same makes codes that you may want to partner with or maybe they're your competitors and you would like to do some research on other people uh, in the field and people you might be bidding against and lastly you can get data regarding federal spending and you can get that by geographic area or maybe you want to look at what the small business allocation funding numbers are for a particular year there are a lot of things that you can do within this website to help give you great information and insights about how that you may be able to bid uh, with your company and in the particular industry that you're in. Well, just like many government processes, the best thing that you can bring to the table are preparation, attention to detail, and most of all, patience. Well, that's our wrap for this episode. I hope you found the material helpful. And as always, if you have questions or you need assistance, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn, or you can contact me through our website. We also ask that you subscribe to future episodes and check out our website. We post blogs uh, after each of our podcast episodes, a summary and reference back material. And we also have a lot of other information there for you. And we also place these things on our social media channels. So you can find us at Novell Online. I hope you'll join us for the third episode in our series where we'll discuss how to apply for special government set-aside programs. You won't want to miss this if you're minority-owned business, woman-owned business, veteran. Uh, we're going to walk you through these programs 
and give you some insights on how you can apply your approval. So until next time, stay positive and stay focused.